0: Welcome to the We Walk Free podcast. I am your host, Sarita Nevels, and guess who's glad to be back on the mic? I am. I took a long break, but it was much needed. And so I'm excited and I'm glad to be back and I'm ready to get into this podcast as well as the many others, others that I've planned to do this season. But just for a moment, like I know today is April 1st of 2021, but I would just like to pause just to acknowledge the fact that 2020 was a bit much. There was so much going on that at times I had no words, like literally I could not, I couldn't say anything And I got to the point where I I honestly, I was like, I don't want to hear anymore. Like, I I can't hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. So it it was a lot. People lost family. I lost family. I lost friends. And so with 2021 being here, I'm glad to just still be here because many people did not make it. Like over 500,000 people have passed away and I haven't even done the calculations so far, but that was the last big number that I heard. Speaking of 2021, um, I did hear that people were telling her to come in and sit down and act like she had some sense. And so I wanted to do just a quick review so we could see how 2021 is doing so far. January 6, there was a ride on Capitol Hill. January the 20th was the presidential inauguration of Joe Biden and vice president Kamala Harris. February the 10th, your girl turned 40 and that was the most amazing day. I literally celebrated all month. I probably gained about 10 pounds (laughs) because I celebrated all month and I was eating and just really enjoying myself. Uh, February the 11th. Now this was all over the news and on social media and everything there was a young lady that used gorilla glue on her hair and had to go to the hospital to get it removed. February the 14th through the 20th, there was a snowstorm in Texas that was absolutely terrible. Talk about no food on the shelf, no toilet paper, no nothing, nothing at the store, okay? Nothing. And in addition to that, the storm destroyed homes, left people without electricity and water for days. Some people froze to death, you know, some people were outside uh, putting the food that they did have in the snow just to keep it refrigerated. I mean, it, it was a lot. It was a bit much. March the 2nd, the governor of Texas removed the mask mandate, although we are yet in the pandemic. And there, even though he did that, uh, places like Walmart and Albertsons and, and, and the school districts and all of that, they are still requiring the mask. So basically, you can if you want to. Okay, you can if you want to, but on the places uh, that are requiring, you still have to wear it. March the sixth, my husband and I celebrated our seventeenth wedding anniversary. Whoop whoop! March the tenth was a great day for a lot of people. Congress passed President Bi- President Biden's stimulus package, and trust and believe, everybody. In my area where I am, they're stimulating the economy. I have seen so many paper tags on the back of cars that it's not even funny. But who am I to say anything about what you do with your stimulus money, honey? Do what you want, what you feel like you need to do, because that is your business. So from the sound of it, from the sound of that review, 2021 might be all right. I mean, this is just April the 1st, so I'm still, I still got my seatbelt on, but it, it I'm, I'm hopeful. We don't, we don't know what's going to happen, but I am hopeful. Now to the good stuff. Now, while I was away, I decided to revamp the podcast. Keep in mind, the goal is still the same. We're still walking free, mind, body, and soul. You will hear me repeating that statement often. There are multiple layers to walking free because it's an entire process. But if, the ha- if I had to sum it up in three words, I would say growth, stability, and power. And we will dig deep into that this season. I did realize this in 2020, though. I realized that I am the guinea pig, right? So walking free has to come to me first before I can tell you how to walk free. I can't tell you how to walk free if I'm not walking free. I can't talk about anything if I haven't actually gone through it, right? That doesn't make any sense. Um, So I just want to let you know that your girl has... Uh, gone through it felt like I was climbing up the rough side of the mountain. Uh, But she's here. She's still alive. She's still in the number. So anyway, this time around, I have decided that we will have a special guest on the show dropping gems on how they are walking free. Uh, and we'll also have some interactive things that we'll be doing. Now I wanted to kind of jump into some things that I want to discuss to kind of give you an idea of where the podcast will be going uh, for the first few episodes. Um, Like I said, my husband and I did celebrate our 17th wedding anniversary last month and we were literally just kind of looking at each other like I've been with you for 17 years. It's been that long for real. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So and every year on our anniversary, we always have somewhat of a coming to Jesus because we sit down and we discuss, you know, where we are, where we've been, where we want to go and things like that. And so what I decided to do for these next couple of podcasts is do the We Walk Free podcast marriage edition. And we'll be discussing how to walk free in your marriage, what that can look like. Now, keep in mind, my husband and I aren't licensed therapists or Uh, marriage and family therapist people we're not any of that we just have 17 years of experience and we've overcome a lot of things which in my opinion gives me the right to open my mouth and say how we've overcome and, and him as well and so he'll come on not all the time but he'll be on discussing with me we'll be in discussion about how he's overcome in marriage from the male perspective you have mine and then you'll have you'll have his so Um, like I said, we'll be discussing the different challenges, uh, that we've gone through. But one thing I noticed too, while I was away and revamping the podcast that on the previous podcast, I did jump straight out of the gate without really letting you all know who I am and where I came from. So today I want to just kind of share my story with you of who I am, where I came from. And since we're doing, um, the marriage edition, this will kind of walk you in through into my marriage and will kind of let you know about some of the things I overcame and why this and why they're kind of putting some puzzle pieces together. So this time around, we're going at a slower pace because it's necessary. So let's jump in. Sarita Jobert Nevels. That's my whole name. Okay. Born and raised in Fort Worth, Texas. 80s made me. 90s raised me. My parents, as I may have mentioned before, were pastors and have been all of my life. So, yes, I am a preacher's kid. I'm the middle child of two. I have two older sisters and an older brother, a little brother and a little sister, all of whom are taller than me. But who cares? So I have, like I said, I have two older sisters, then a brother, then it's me. And then I have a little brother and a little sister. Um growing up we always had everything we needed like we were not poor um we were probably middle class that i didn't know what that was until i got older because you know as a child you don't pay attention to things like that i I just knew that we always had food we always had clothes we you know my mom always tried to make sure we looked nice right um and i was a baby girl for seven years so i was spoiled pretty good um however There was turbulence in my home. There were heated arguments, slammed doors, some physical things going on. That that was just kind of the norm around here. Um, We did go to church all the time because, remember, I'm a preacher's kid. All day Sunday, all day, I mean, Wednesday night for Bible study, Saturday for choir rehearsal, and then back on Sunday. God forbid that we had a three o'clock service. We would be in church all night. I can remember my mom often making me sing before the congregation a song entitled, Oh, How I Love Jesus. Now, I have come to love that song. But when I was three and four and five and however old I was, I hated standing up to sing. I didn't hate the song, but I hated the fact that she used to make me sing. I was thinking, "Uh, I have big sisters, a big sisters and a big brother. Why can't why do I have to sing? But I guess God showed us something. And she was putting me up to do like preachers kids have to do everything. So this was my introduction to being before people. So my parents um, were always busy working, pastoring and doing life the best way they could with all the craziness. Right. Needless to say, I did not have a close relationship with either of my parents. We had some good times and of course the bad times still existed, but we would go on summer vacations. We would spend holidays with my mom's family and my cousins would come over and spend the night. Out of everything I remember in my childhood, one thing that is extremely significant to me to this very day is the fact that my mom would take me in her prayer closet with her when she would pray. And she still has a prayer closet and she still does that to this very day. She would literally like sit me in her lap while she would be praying and crying out to God. And that has always stuck with me. Like I'll never forget that. And she is an intercessor. And I feel like because that's that's her position and that's what she was doing, she birthed that in me. Um over time, my parents stopped pastoring and we joined a local church. Now I'm just kind of jumping into my teenage years, which were Lord have mercy. Okay, Lord have mercy. I am so glad I had a praying mother man I'm pretty sure my daddy was praying too praying that he would not uh you know go on and just lock me up somewhere (laughs) but into my teenage years uh, I learned how to do hair my mom would take me to the beauty shop and so every little girl back in the eight well not every but most little girls back in the 80s you know you had a jerry curl because your is not going to get up and do ponytails every morning. So I had a jerry curl. So my mom would take me to the beauty shop. And so while I was at the beauty shop, I pick up stuff real easy. Um, so I would see, you know, women getting their hair done in like French rolls or, you know, finger waves or whatever. And I would go home. Once I got older, um, I would go home and I would try to practice that stuff. I would remember. Like I've been going to the beauty shop for a very long time. My mom always paid for me to get my hair done. She always wanted me to look nice. Uh, so, I learned how to do hair. So, when I was in high school, I would do updo's after school or on the weekend, but I was rebellious as they come. And I know everybody rebels in their own way or whatever. I was a sweet, rebellious child. That's, you know, oil and water. I was a sweet, rebellious child. I did not have the guts to talk back to my parents, but I would lie and I would stay out all night saying that I was doing somebody's hair. Or that i had to work so i could go and be with my boyfriend or to be with my friends now remember i said i didn't have a close relationship with my parents and with the turmoil and things that were going on in my house i didn't really know what love was because i didn't see my parents show affection so the radio and music videos were my teachers the 90s were full of love songs and i don't but i don't know what they're singing about today um You couldn't really, I mean, there are a few people that I might listen to, maybe, but if I'm going to listen to a love song, I'm going all the way back to the 90s. Because again, I don't know what these children are singing about today. Family, I know you all remember. If you grew up in the 90s, 80s and the 90s, you remember New Edition, Mary J. Blige, SWV, TLC, Brandy, Boys to Men, just to name a few. I would think to myself, I want to be loved like that. I want to be held like that. I went looking for love in all the wrong places. And I mean all the wrong places. My teenage years, even though it seemed fun, like it seemed like I was having fun, but they were full of depression, runaway attempts. I smoked weed, drank beer, and drank alcohol whenever whenever I could with my friends. However, as I got older, you Know up in my teens, um, like around 17, there was an event that happened that changed my life forever. One Sunday afternoon during uh the summer of my senior year, my mother and my sisters and I were attending a three o'clock service, of course. This church, of course, uh, the service was going great. Then all of a sudden, uh, the lady behind the mic called me out and she said, You, you right there playing that tamarind because. Um, your girl can play a mean tamarine. Anyway, if you grew up Kojic, Pentecostal, any kind of anything, you know how to play a tambourine or some kind of instrument. If you're a preacher's kid, you know how to play some type of instrument. They were not going to let you just be in the family. You don't know how to do anything. I don't know where they do that. Oh, give me get back to the story. She pointed her finger at me and she said, you playing the tambourine. She said, the Lord told the Lord told me to tell you the fun with your friends is over. They're going to stop talking to you and you are not going to know why. That's all I remember her saying. But I do remember that it happened just like she said it would. The friends that I was saying that all night with, getting high with, drinking with, stopped talking to me. And I don't even remember. I honestly don't remember why they did it. Um, So that transition caused me to have a different set of friends who were not doing the things that I was doing before. So God obviously had a plan. He was like, let me go on and break this up now because I don't need her. Let me go on and uh, separate this and get this broken up. And it happened just like she said. So by the time I graduated from high school, my parents were pastoring again, but their church was far, far away. I had a car. And I had the option. So I decided to continue to go to the local church that we joined. I got really involved in church. And what we like to say, churchy people, we like to say I rededicated my life to Christ. So if you don't know what that means, that means at one point I might have I may have been walking with Christ, but I I backslid. I strayed away. I started doing other things that were not beneficial to my relationship with Christ. And so once I started going to church on my own, I rededicated my life to him. In other words, I'm saying, "Okay, I'm going to be for real this time, Jesus. I'm not going to play any more games. I'm going to be serious with you. So that's what I did. I rededicated my life back to the Lord and everything was changing. I began praying and hearing God speak to me now I'm gonna be real vulnerable I mean real open and transparent when I say this but I still tried to have sex with my boyfriend but I couldn't do it and we ended up breaking up because I was going one way and he was going another and when we broke up I remember telling him this what this what I'm experiencing because I couldn't explain it because again I'm trying to be serious with Jesus I was like, what I'm experiencing is so much bigger than me and you. Like, I don't I don't hate you. I don't not like you. I just can't be with you because there's something happening to me and it's changing me and I can't do the things that we used to do anymore. And so I remember telling him that. And I remember when I like literally stopped cursing, like I just stopped cursing. Um, one day I was at one of my friend's house and I walked, I cursed and I walked by the mirror and I went and stood in that mirror and I was like, oh, like I saw myself or it was like the Lord was looking at me. And at that moment I was like, okay, at that particular time in my life, I was like, okay. And I did not curse because he was doing something inside of me. And that I remember that day, I was very shocked at myself when I saw myself doing that. Um, by the time I was 22, I had moved out of my parents' house. But I was still broken. And so I was still looking for love in all the wrong places. Which is an indication that there is some brokenness going on. By the time I was 22, I moved out of my parents' house into an older rent house that they used to have. And I can remember being fearful of living alone because I grew up in a house with six siblings, uh, five siblings and two parents. And you go from noise to no noise. And, you know, the house is older, so it's creaking. And the wind used to blow where hard and used to make my uh, washroom door open up. So I used to be freaking out. But I remember the Lord speaking to me and telling me that he was with me. I started having encounters with God, and that I would talk to my dad about. We would discuss, you know, different things I was learning as I was reading the Bible. My dad always had an answer for me, and then he would tell me I needed to pray and ask God for more insight. In the midst of learning and growing spiritually, I found myself still waking up, crying, and telling God I just wanted to be loved. I would tell God that I know that you love me, but I want a human being to love me for who I am with all of my issues. Like I literally felt like it was something missing. I was like, I got this house. I got a good job. I want somebody to go to the movies with. I want somebody to, you know, go to lunch with. I want somebody to hold my hand. That's exactly how I felt. And while I don't necessarily think think that there's anything wrong with wanting companionship because we were created that way I think perspective and um, uh, what what word am I looking for excuse me uh, there's a word that I'm looking for um, so your perspective has to be right and the order has to be right right what am I saying by that Um, you shouldn't put a person above God. In other words, during this time in my life, um, it would have probably been best that I focused on me and get myself where I needed to be in terms of where God wanted me to be versus the void that I was trying to fill. Like we are all trying to fill a void at some point in our lives and we do it in different ways, right? Um, when you're wanting to be loved, you're typically, if you've been rejected or abandoned, um, then addiction comes next, right? That's another thing that comes with that. And so when you're wanting to be loved and you've been rejected or abandoned, then you begin to gravitate to certain things that you feel like love you. Okay. Like food for some people, uh, shopping for some alcohol for some sex for some, um, and many other things. So, the word I was looking for was priority. So perspective and priority uh, have to be key. There's nothing wrong with wanting a companion, but perspective and priority have to be key. That's what I was, that's the word that I was looking for. So back to the story. So I found myself waking up crying. I really just wanted to be married. I was done with the whole boyfriend thing. I was like, okay, this being single is dumb. Now, mind you, I was just 22, but I felt like I was done. Like, I don't want to go. I don't want to learn what you like, what you don't like. And then we get in a serious relationship and then it's over. Who ha- I don't have time for that. So uh, again, I was looking for love in all the wrong places. I was a full blown mess, but I was still going to church. I was desperate for attention. I found myself in a situationship with this guy. Uh, we never had sex so i'm just being open we never had sex but it was a whole situation Um, i prayed and asked god god if this guy was the one and i heard god clearly say to me no and i was heartbroken I had all the questions. I was like, why not? But I want a friend. What's wrong with him? We both go to church together. He's a minister. What's the problem, Jesus? What is the deal? I did not listen. How many of us do that? I did not listen. God spoke very clear and was like, no, he is not the one. And I was like, Okay, I know what you're saying, but I know what I want, so how many times do we do that, and that may not even be in a relationship it could be it could be anything it could be uh you don't need that job, that's not the job for you, yeah, lord, but it it make a whole lot of money, and you go and you do it anyway. It could be a number of things like I don't have time to go down the list, but if if you know what I'm talking about then, um, I don't need to repeat myself, but you know what I mean? It could be a a number of things where we don't listen to God. We decide that we're going to do whatever it is we want to do, which, um, I'm so glad that he's so gracious and so loving and so forgiving. And so like when we, when we get through bumping our head, you know, he's always there with open arms to say, Hey, I love you, but you know, you walked away and you just, you're going to suffer some things because of what you did. So I continued to talk to this guy. And again, it was nothing like it was not even I don't even know what it was. I think me personally, I was trying to force a relationship that was never going to be. Um, And at times the guy, this person would make me feel like we were actually in a relationship and I was delusional because I was disobedient. And that happens to us all the time. When we step out of what God, out of the will of God, we become delusional, right? Because we're going to try to make something be that actually is not. So I was just believing that somehow this guy was going to be the one for me. I soon found out everything we talked about was a lie, which does Sarita. I found out that he had a whole girlfriend that knew about me. I met her face to face and we discussed their relationship. After she and I talked, I had a rage of emotions. It literally felt like somebody knocked the wind out of me. I mean, like I buckled over, like I couldn't believe it, you know. And as I think back, you know, perhaps that's what God was trying to keep me from. Self-inflicted pain is often the worst. I was already broken because I didn't have that... um, relationship between me and my dad or me and my mom i never saw what love or affection was so the radio and the tv taught me and so here i am you know asking the the lord something and he answers me and yet i do the opposite because again i'm still looking for love and when you're being rejected and abandoned and you're looking for love or you're looking for attention, the sad thing about it is it doesn't matter where the attention comes from. It doesn't matter whether it's negative attention or positive attention. Um, You just want it. And so you gravitate towards it. Anybody's giving it to you. That's how that's you. You take it because you're so hungry for it. Um, and that void that was in my life is what God wanted to fill for me. It, it, it couldn't be filled with a human being. It needed to be filled with him. That's why priority and perspective are very, very important when you're desiring to, you know, to be with someone. After I got over that devastation of what happened, because I actually got over what happened with the guy, I now had to face the music of my disobedience with God. That was more painful than the initial blow. I had to come to God and ask him to forgive me and heal me, knowing that I had wronged him. I was so hurt, but I am so grateful that he is so loving, as I stated earlier, and full of grace and mercy. He picked me right up and loved me and helped me uh, begin to walk through the process of healing. While on my road to recovery, I discovered that the feeling of wanting to be loved and wanting attention never went away. It never went away, y'all you I mean I'm saying all this and you would think oh, okay well maybe maybe now it's better because you know no it never went away I just consumed myself with serving and working at church one day after church this older lady walked up to me and said you are a beautiful rose in God's garden ready to be picked and I was thinking to myself huh but okay okay thank you sister so-and-so because I don't remember her name I was like okay and when I say I was serving at church and working at church like I was in the young adult ministry I was in uh the youth uh the young adult choir um fasting praying reading my like all of the I was doing all of this stuff right because I wanted to be closer to God but yet that's that piece of me was still um very how can I say it? it was still there like it hadn't went away I remember talking to God about my future husband and how I wanted him to be so I live okay so I know people say you know rip up the list and all of this and all that but I sat down that particular day a long time ago and I wrote out a list and I prayed over it it has been 17 years so I can't tell you the exact date that we met but I do remember the month it was in early November and let me tell y'all how this went down (laughs) I saw my husband one Sunday after church and I thought I saw him well anyway let me back up so I saw him one Sunday after church and I thought and said at the same time to my friend who is that who is that and she was like oh that's my cousin Keith and I'm like well where has he been I ain't never seen him before like I grew up in this church and I know the family so who is this And uh, something like that. So she was like, oh, uh, he's been away, you know, like away, whatever, something, you know. So I'm like, "Okay." So the next time I saw him was again on a Sunday morning before church started. I was walking out of the church and he was walking in and he says to me, hey, the doors are this way. I said to him, I know where the doors are. I was actually walking around to the other side of the church. He didn't know that. Once I got in, I noticed that he was sitting on the pew that I was going to sit on. So I sat down, leaving him some space in between us. Service was going great as usual. Then I noticed he tossed a small sheet of paper. It was folded up and it reminded me of like, you know, elementary school or middle school or whatever when you pass notes. So I'm just going to read to you guys what was on the note so he says hello what is your name i say okay i'm writing back sarita what is yours kiki kiki i say to him that must be a nickname my cousin whose name was Lakidra, was kiki but she was a girl what is your real name he says kiki is short for lakeith which is my middle name my first name is james i say oh my dad and my brother have the name james So I'll fast forward this because we didn't, that was that, right? So after church, I'm on my way home, um, but I get a thought in my head, like this probably is the wanting attention revving up in me, right? So I get a thought in my head and I'm like, I'm going to go back to the church to see if James wants to get lunch. So I turned around and I started back driving towards the church and guess who I see coming down the road? It was James. We both honked the horns at each other and pulled over. He walked over to the car and I asked him if he wanted to grab some lunch. He told me his pockets were flat, meaning he didn't have any money. And I told him that didn't matter. I was like, I'll pay for it. He told me, no, I'll have some money this week and maybe we could hook up. I agreed. We exchanged phone numbers. Now y'all listen, my husband, he wasn't my husband at the time. He gave me his home phone number, his grandmother's phone number, his cell phone number and his address. Now, do you know this is a long time ago if he was giving at home phone numbers and nobody who does that? I was like, who in the world gives somebody all the information? <laughs> so we departed and I drove to my mom's house and my sister was here with her friend and they were getting ready to go out. When I came in the house, I was on cloud nine and a nervous wreck. I was doing the best to explain to them about this guy I had just met, how handsome he was, how we were passing notes in church, um, and all of that. They both told me, girl, slow down, calm down, breathe. My sister said, He must really be something. You're all excited. I must admit, I have never ever felt this way about anyone. Like I have never been that excited about anybody. They told me to go home and wait for him to call. So I did. He called me that evening and we talked for hours about everything. And during our conversation, he had the nerve to say, you are going to think I'm crazy, but I'm going to marry you. I said, what? You don't even know me. (laughs) How can you say something like that? He said, I just know. I was in complete shock. But from that day on, we spent every day together. So I met, keep track. I met him in November. He proposed. So if I I met him in November, so he told me he was going to marry me in November when I met him. He proposed December 31st of 2003. We were married March the 6th of 2004. And the rest is history. We have four beautiful children that we love and adore. And this is us. Like I tried to make a long story short, but that, is literally my story and the brokenness and all of that. We're going to dig deep, 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 deep down into perspective and priority and rejection and abandonment and addiction. We're going to dig deep down into that. We have a ton of unraveling to do, and I cannot wait to dig deep down into it. Now, keep in mind, we are going to be discussing what it means to walk free in your marriage. What that might look like for me might, not, might be totally different for you. But the end result is the same, which is freedom, because the whole point is to be free. And in um, John, John, uh, John 8, 36 says whom the son set free is free indeed. So the goal is to be free and to come out of the chains and to, uh, you know, open all the doors in your heart that you've closed uh, and let Jesus come in and get to doing some work. So I am going to go ahead and end the podcast, but it was so great uh, being back on the mic and giving you guys a piece of myself that I have never given on the podcast before. And I'm building a foundation here. I want you guys to, to know who I am, know where I came from, know where I'm going, and this will make it more relevant and more relatable for you to understand what I've been through as we go through these uh, marriage podcasts, because we're going to do it for a little while because it's important. People are getting divorced. People are separating and all these things, and marriage is important. It's a pillar of the community. Married couples are like pillars of the community. You know, they you rear your kids. You, you have Christ as your foundation, and you seek him, and you search him, Uh, seek him and have him search you so that you can make sure that you are being the spouse that you need to be to your significant other and we're gonna like I said we're gonna dig deep so I am excited but until next time you guys I'm gonna go ahead and let you go remember we walk free mind body and soul all right I will talk to you guys later and make make the rest of your week a good one